This is the podcast Love, Blood, Sex, Death. As daughters of Venus, we're on a mission for 2020 and beyond to awaken more love in the world through intimate and educational conversations that shed light on our societal taboos. Those are the things that we all obsess about privately, but don't speak about publicly. Welcome to the show. Hey, Tanishka. Hey, everybody. Hi. Oh, I'm so happy to hear your voice. <laughs> for our listening audience out there, we've had tech issues for, let's see, 50 minutes. <laughs> so all we is made well. It. Great. Okay, so today's episode is called Taming the Shrew. And what is a shrew? Well, for those of you who are Shakespearean uh, fans, you will recognise the play the Taming of the Shrew, which refers to there is a character or Kate um, and she is feisty, she is opinionated, she is intelligent and she is a representation of the archetypal wild woman who is within all of us and governs the base chakra, which is our sexuality, our lust, our anger, our passion, our ability to speak up and walk our truth. And in the patriarchal times, that aspect has been shamed in a woman. And this play is yet another pop culture indication of that because only when she is, you know, subdued and tamed, this wild aspect, is a man able to embrace her. And for those of you that don't know the story of, the original wild woman, Lilith, as she was known. Um, You probably do in that she was reduced to the serpent in the Bible, but the original story is that she was Adam's first wife and she refused to lie beneath him when the doctrine said that, you know, that was the only way they could make love. She said, well, fuck that, I'm out of here. Uh, because she wanted to be in whatever position felt good, which I'm sure you'll understand. And thereupon she fled to the desert for a few thousand years and lamented the fate of the feminine. And when she came back a couple of thousand years later to see whether or not Adam had matured and was ready to um, be reunited, he had shacked up with Eve. And Eve is kind of the prototype that's been held up as the model of womanhood in the patriarchal times. And she's a girl. Um, That is a woman who hasn't been initiated to meet the different aspects that, you know, make up the feminine psyche, starting with the wild woman. So she doesn't know herself and she just tries to please Adam. So hence the saying that she was made from Adam's rib. She was made from his mindset of what a woman should be rather than being her own authentic woman. And this has been the prototype for women for the last few thousand years since the Roman Empire outlawed all of our feminine wisdom traditions. So that is impacting us today as a collective, whether we know it or not, and personally, why? Because Lilith, my friends, is her face is our vulva. Yeah, that's her mouth. So when we have issues with our vulva, when we can't even say the word, chances are we haven't embraced our inner wild woman because we haven't been initiated 
to meet and truly understand and value that aspect within our psyche. And so unconsciously, we're trying to be like Eve. We're trying to be nice and agreeable and all of that to be liked. And it doesn't matter whether that's, you know, uh, by men, by women, you know, this is this kind of, oh, I've got to please. And if we consider that we banish her by not getting angry, by not, you know, having frizzy hair, you'll see all the ads on TV for only having straight hair or just not having hair at all, um, you know, and that's pretty much the end game of patriarchy, completely banishing the wild woman because we fear if we let the cat out of the bag, we will be rejected for being our authentic self. So um, really that's what's behind the Brazilian. Now, you get to look at a lot of vulvas in your line of work, Kristen. Would you like to share how many you see are completely waxed these days? Yeah, uh, definitely a, a large percentage. However, depends kind of where I'm at in the world and the culture of whose vulva I'm looking at. Um, in Australia, I've, when I've, you know, I've done some retreats where I've seen about 20, over 20, over a weekend, different vulva. Mm-hmm. And um, Let's just explain what you do, why you would be yeah. peering back the, uh, the veils. Yeah, yeah so um, I help. For those joining us for the first time, yeah. Yes, yeah, so I'm a sexologist and help to empower my, my main focus is focusing on women's empowerment in their sexuality and a huge aspect of that is getting to know understand um and appreciate or at least create a, a, a harmonious relationship with the appearance of the smell of the taste of the vulva um that's like one really probably one of the most passionate aspects of my work and when I've worked in retreats I've looked at different vulvas to see what um, different structures they have and help like educate the woman on um, you know the fact that her yeah exactly (laughs) and understanding it because they all they each tell a story the same as in you know Chinese medicine if you have different facial features or different body structure your, your, your body will tell a Chinese medicine practitioner if you're more earth element or metal or yes. more and the same as with the vulva there will be different shapes um, sizes and tastes and depths of the canal and um, and that would that would tell a story about the yoni and so about the vulva and about the person and so um, yeah, and so uh, while doing that, I also get them to understand, you know, that an asymmetrical yoni is totally normal. You know, we've got, we've only got one lung, we've only, you know, it's on one side of our body and one pancreas, like we're not a completely symmetrical being. So of course, that one, the truth. Yeah. Like one breast is usually titty, bigger yeah. <laughs> and often it'll be the left, which is the feminine. One foot is often a bit bigger. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. listen, I want to circle back and we'll go yeah. back through taste and, um, you know, the, the look of our yonis, which is the tantric term for vulva. And we're using the term vulva because that, um, is actually the term that most people would say a vagina, but the vagina is the canal, the sheath is what it means. So the vulva is what you can see on the outside. 
personally, I don't like either of those names, but we'll come back to that. <laughs> yeah. um, so we were asking how many you see that have got fur on them. Yeah. And how that differs with cultures. So in Australia, is it are we a furry culture? Definitely not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say maybe, well, in the Byron Bay region more so. Like when I worked in the Byron Bay region, there were definitely many more women that had either at least just trimmed or just like a full bush. Um, But, yeah, maybe one woman in, say, 15 would have that happening, whereas... There'd be some kind of modification, but mainly all bear, mainly mm-hmm. a bear, bear yoni. I must admit, I was at a gym in Germany last year and I saw a lot of fur, which made me yeah. very happy. Yeah. But I remember going to the Japanese bathhouse here in Melbourne and there wasn't a rug in sight, you know. Oh, really? So I think perhaps it's probably more prevalent in the West. I know speaking to the lovely Balinese woman that gave me a bikini line last time, a wax, um, she said the Balinese women don't wax, yeah. you know. It's definitely so, more, more in the Southeast Asian culture I've found that. And in also my Japanese friend, like, she said that if she waxed to her yoni, like, it would be kind of frowned upon by her boyfriend. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I remember working as a stripper and a man coming up to me and just saying, you're shaved. That was the extent of the conversation that he had right. in him, yeah. um, which, of course, to me was repulsive. It was yeah. like, oh, so you're looking for a pedophilic thrill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and I said, no, I'm fertile. I'm very proud of the fact that I'm fertile. Yeah. <laughs> and I have the hair to prove it. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, what's, you know, your take on it in terms of the women that you work with? Do you see a correlation between those who are bald yeah. um, and a diminishment in their ability to speak up um, and express their authentic self and those that have, you know, an afro in their drawers yeah. and... Yeah, I have Whether a really, really good example. Oh, please. Love There's to hear it. Like a, a sister who had told me that she was beating herself up one day that she told her partner she was going to shave and she didn't because she was tired and, and then she felt like she'd really let him down. And then later I had seen that he had really long nails and I said to her, does he use them inside you? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, does oh. it? hurt and she's like oh I'm like like no like it's yeah like I'm like I'm a bit concerned and I was like so you're okay to have that happen but you're not okay with just like letting yourself have hair on your yoni for his pleasure like it was a really interesting way to see that what where the importance lied like where, where it was important for her to make sure she was perfect and doing what she could for his pleasure but she wasn't able to voice like can you cut your fingernails for mine yes thank you and I think certainly in my experience that as we age our empowerment increases with self-awareness yeah and therefore our ability to relax into pleasure and to say I like that I don't like that to voice our needs yeah but of course I come from an era where 
you know, I was born in 1970 and there were, you know, bush was the rage, (laughs) you know, if you looked in centerfolds or, you know, whereas what I've noticed is that hair is a sign of fertility. If we think about the biblical story of Samson, when he cut his hair, he lost his strength. And the same thing with the Native American trackers, you know, Mm -hmm. that had to do the buzz cut for the military. It affected their honing devices as trackers, you know, that our hair has sensory information like an antenna, like a cat uses its eyebrows. And so, um, you know, I suspect that by banishing the wild woman and making the yoni look more um, childlike, less threatening, it's almost like putting a welcome mat out saying you can dominate me or abuse me, whereas it's meant to look intimidating. It is the doorway of death and rebirth. And it it should invoke deep respect because it looks powerful and confronting. So it's about women being okay with their own power rather than fearing that if they let their power out, which also includes their erotic nature and their anger and acknowledge that they menstruate Mm -hmm. that that may be off-putting for a disempowered man who is you know what's called today a man child but a boy not a man um who needs a woman to be more like a girl so that he by comparison can feel more empowered as a man which women have been doing increasingly and it's resulted in a fashion of infertility where it's become a self-fulfilling prophecy you know if you do away with all sign of fertile power the power to procreate uh, which is celebrated in traditional cultures when a woman starts her cycle her fertility cycle here not only do we in the west not celebrate and mark and honor the power of that but now it has been diminished to the point of it's become fashionable to look like a girl and not a woman. Mm. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I feel like it goes quite deep into our psyche of even like bringing it to birth control and that we are so quick to take birth control even though we're only fertile, realistically 48 hours I mean, one one week if the sperm stays alive, but 48 hours we're fertile, whereas males are fertile 24-7. And so we're giving out that, we're, we're almost numbing out our fertility, you know, from 16 or younger with contraceptives and females are so quick to kind of put their hand up and say, okay, like I'll take responsibility of this and I'll I'll do this, whereas... You know, there's just there's there's not been that much research into male contraception, but vasectomies yeah. are so much safer than for female sterilization and operations, and there there's a way for males I to be involved. I want to pick up on something. Yeah. Sorry to jump in, yeah. but I I understand the point you're making that uh, responsibility is put on the woman. However, in a way, they're abdicating responsibility um, by handing it over to the 
medicalization by taking a pill um, and not being responsible for understanding their cycle. And again, we're not blaming women. It's part of the fact there's a lack of initiation. Um, You know, when you started exactly rather than learning about our bodies and being empowered to understand us as cyclic beings. I mean, I think that's a whole episode that we'll open a Pandora's box on. Uh, Box. (laughs) (laughs) So a bit of a beavis and butthead moment there. So um, I'd like to, um, what's your thoughts on this? I did a, a video, a live with my yoni puppet last week, which I shared with you. Mm-hmm. And um, I had one woman say, you know, I have a shaved vagina and I'm still empowered with my wild woman. Yeah. And because, um, you know, in the video I said women are doing it because they're um, seeking validation. And she said, well, I haven't been in a relationship for a year. I haven't been with a partner. Yeah. But I still do it because I like the feel of yeah. it. Now, my feeling is still the lack of initiation and lack of awareness means that um, they might like the feel of it. And I know myself, I used to get what was called a half Brazilian. My lovely Iranian uh, waxing lady, Katie, would make up the paste of, you know, lemon and sugar on the stove and do the under half. So it was like an invitation to come and have lunch. But at the same time, (laughs) from... You know, front on, I still look like a fertile woman. I had a, yeah. a triangle and she'd clean yeah. up the topiary. Yeah. So it didn't look, you know, it was yeah. like, well, I've put in some effort. Yeah. But um, <laughs> what's your thoughts on that? Do you think that a woman can still be really empowered and have a bald genitalia? I feel like, and I know we're going to come to labiaplasty later, I feel like with mm. any kind of modification of the body in any form, whether it's waxed shaved legs um Mm -hmm, any mm -hmm. kind of cosmetic surgery waxed yoni i feel if a woman is has informed consent of what they're doing to their body if they have an understanding that beauty is an eye of the beholder and cross-culturally it changes you know we have we've seen body modification all over the world and if you understand that the, the reason that you're doing this is because you understand you are perfect as you are, but you want to explore different differences in your own body at this phase in your life. That feels like empowered choice. But if you're doing it without the information that the modification you're doing to your body is to fit into some kind of standard so you feel okay and you haven't explored feeling okay with your body without this modification, then I feel like it's a disempowered choice. What lovely, well put. That, yeah, if you're doing it to avoid feeling uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. if you don't like the look of your yoni as it is, Mm -hmm. yeah, lovely. Thank you. And I like the idea of exploring. You know, I mean, I remember again when I worked as a stripper, one woman dyed hers pink. Yeah. Did it in the shape of a love heart for Valentine's Day, which I thought was quite a lot of effort. (laughs) You've done that. Good love heart. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, cool. I've never been to that much effort, I've got to say. <laughs> but I'm not much of a gardener either, so there we have it. Um, so let's move on to genital shame, yeah. shall yeah, we? sounds good. Um, because I think that's at the absolute heart of it. And you touched on it before. Mm-hmm. Um, I was watching 
Blessed Laura Doe's DVD, who is an Australian sexologist who I know you know, and has put out a lovely DVD, um, uh, Yoni.com or Yoniversity is her site. Um, And she said the reason that a lot of people, women feel that their vagina isn't or the vulva isn't normal is that we don't get many opportunities to really sight. Yep. You know, it's not like standing at a urinal where you cast your yep. glance sideways and you're like, oh, yeah, he's circumcised or isn't or he's yep. larger or smaller. Yep. Whereas with women, because it's kind of tucked Gotta away grab a, a bit. It's not <laughs> like we – yeah. And, and um, I mean, we live in a, in a very closed culture where we're not doing communal bathing and things like that very often. Yep. So, um, yeah. On top of the shaming yeah. of women's sexuality and seeing women as, you know, sinful seductresses. Yeah. Um, so would you care to share with our audience, is there a normal? <laughs> Every Yeah, everyone is normal. Like I've seen Lovely. thousands. I've seen um, clitoral shafts that are, that are much longer than others, like much, much longer. I'm talking centimetres I've seen and they grow with the, throughout our life, but even younger, younger women I've seen, um, in a labia where there's like really thuck, th- uh, thick and plush on one side and really thin and tiny on the other side. Um, I've seen ones where it's like purple on one side and pink on the other and, and dark brown on another. I've seen, you know, like really thin inner labia, really thick inner labia, um, very like different sizes, different shapes, like that, and they're all totally normal. You know, the same as all testicles are totally different, but we don't really see anybody saying, you know, because I've heard I've heard people talk about labiaplasty and say, well, if it's uncomfortable, and it's like, well, testes and you know can be could be seen as quite uncomfortable we don't see males voluntarily going to get them surgically removed that's a lovely comparison thank you because equally we refer to a yoni as a pussy we diminish it we wouldn't consider calling a penis a puppy and diminishing Mm. the power of the male genitalia you know it's like this thing of a woman being a size zero and a man puffing himself up with steroids. It's like there's a, a, whether women are aware of it and the impact it has on our personal choices, there is a continual constant pressure on women to diminish themselves to be acceptable in our culture. It's like, so it's like who said um, small inner labias is good while big hips are good. A big butt is good and small waist and big breasts and small nose but big big lips. It's like all these proportions that have been created by society of what the standard of beauty is. But who actually said? And how know? it differs. <laughs> like, I mean, when you were describing thick, thin, different colours, yeah. you know, in the inner menorah, the inner lips, yeah. I just kept seeing an orchid. Yeah. You know, if you go to a flower show, you see all different... Hey. hey Tanishka. Hello, darling. So we just had a bit of a tech glitch, folks, but we're back. So I made <laughs> the point about we've all got an orchid between our legs. I think it's important the reframing given how much cultural shaming there's been. And I was gift 
and I worked as a stripper over 20 years ago um, where I had this older Italian gent that I was dancing for and he peered upon my genitalia and I immediately, he looked with such appreciation and consideration, I felt like a flower in a flower show and that he was like a judge wearing a white coat with a clipboard and I, it was that level of you know, connoisseur. I'll never forget that moment <laughs> that I had with that stranger. Exactly. So um, uh, I, I wanted to make just one point that, you know, we talk a lot about women's poor body image, but the genital uh, self-image is probably the worst out of all 100%. the body parts. And in Laura Doe's um, DVD, she made the point that women are six times less likely to experience pleasure if they have poor genital self-image. Is that, I mean, you're working doing yoni massage, helping people clear shame and trauma out of the cells yeah. that are holding that unexpressed pain in the yoni. Is that something that you see, women that feel shame, that may not even be able to voice it, that call it down there? that they yeah. have more sexual inhibition? Like I, there's definitely a link, but I'd have to say that the women who feel proud and empowered, regardless of if they're coming to me for that issue or not, are like few and far between. Like the women who, who love, accept and look at their yoni and feel nothing but like joy yes. is so few like most mm -hmm. women have some kind of shame surrounding their the way that their yoni looks tastes and smells like it's super rare that a woman comes along and they're like oh yeah I'm cool with with my yoni now as it's we're like, filming oh. this a lot of people are either yeah. in isolation or about to go into isolation that's been imposed by the authorities with the coronavirus pandemic uh, hysteria and uh, this could be a wonderful time for a woman to um, befriend her yoni by mm -hmm. getting a mirror I, and yes. uh, getting some beautiful art pastels and yes, doing so a, an artistic representation or, or writing a poem, doing a forgiveness ceremony. <laughs> yep. I've got a, I've got a seven-day yoni love challenge that's free on my website. That it could, would be a fun thing to do now. It's just like yeah, a daily 10-minute practice. Yeah. How yep. do people find that? What, where would they um, go online to find that, love? My website, yonilicious.com.au, has it on there. Okay, brilliant. So a seven-day challenge yep. to love yep. your yoni. Fan-freaking-tastic. Yep. Um, yeah. I would like to do a shout-out to the artist, Jamie McCartney, who created The Great Wall of Vagina. Do mm. Google that, ladies. 400 representations of vulvas. He created that in 2011. Um, yep. And the, um, what's the name of the gallery in Tassie? I love it's down in Tasmania because there's an Australian colloquial <laughs> term for the vulva called the map of Tassie because it's shaped like <laughs> the state of Tasmania. But what's the name of that art gallery that has a wall of I vaginas? Oh, anyway, Google it. Like Google it. Mona. Yeah, yeah. So um, what would you recommend for women that don't like the look of their vagina? Anything in particular? Well, I suppose it's all in that seven-day program. The challenge, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just like like anything, we adapt, we adapt so quickly to 
um, to our surroundings and if we're not exposing ourselves to the way she looks. So just grabbing a mirror, taking a look, minding the language that you use, like uh, the word, the term inner and outer labia, I prefer over minora majora. Majora is Im implying that the outer labia is bigger and the inner labia is smaller, uh, when that's just not the case for many, many women. Many women, the inner labia is larger than the outer labia. Okay, um, interesting. Thank you. Yeah, Do you know, like, I no, remember a boyfriend, yes. boyfriend. teaching me yeah. about my yoni's anatomy when I was 24. He what? <laughs> he taught me. He went oh, through and sweetie. taught me. Bless him. Because that was Beautiful. missing out of my life education. And I yep. was sexually active uh, from the age of 16, which I think a lot of women are. It's the second Venus yep. return. And I, you know, I would like to see sacred sexual education be given to girls at that age. And I would like totally. to create it. In fact, why don't we yes. create that? Um, yep. Put it on our to-do list. But yep. um, let's move on to smell, shall yep. we? Because... Yep. Um, I found it fascinating to learn it was only in the 1970s that vaginal deodorant was introduced. So interesting as a counterpoint to the women's lib movement really kicking up that at the same time this, this shame was being heightened, you know. Yep. Have you ever tried yeah. a deodorant? I haven't, just on principle. No, no. no. Okay. I, I remember when I was young, I think about 16, I was super self-conscious because mm -hmm. I was sexually active and my partner's um, ejaculating inside me, which would change the pH and the smell would be very different and I didn't know yes. how to manage it. And so I would spray perfume on my vulva mm -hmm. and then my, my, my boyfriend would be like, did you spray perfume? And I'm like, no, nope, nope always smells like I that. I remember <laughs> that it was in the film Puberty Blues where she gets a can of Impulse, which is a horrifically oh, smelling oh. Australian cheap cologne, and sprays that. I mean, my God, I just, your lips purse yeah. thinking about it, don't they? But totally. I think it is absolutely, you know, a lot of young women doing that, but it's an introduced shame and yeah. what you said about the pH levels changing the scent, um, yeah. absolutely, you know, this idea that a woman smells like fish, I mean, that is yeah. such a, um, oh, God, a, a horrendous thing to put on to a, a woman. I mean, yeah. the French call a woman's scent her cassolette. And doesn't that just completely change, mm -hmm. you know, the muskiness and the, you know, embracing the scent. I yeah. mean, I remember I used to do in my stand-up routine about how I didn't like when you'd walk into those big department stores and the women in white coats descend upon you with perfume samples sprayed onto white pieces of card. And yeah. the wall of fake, you know, yeah. chemical smell is, is an yeah. assault on the senses. Yeah. And I yeah. used to joke that I'd put my hands down between my lips and offer them my scent in return. Oh. <laughs> um, you can imagine the shocked looks on the audience, which would be mainly 20-something oh. males, you know. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love that Because so <laughs> I'm born year of the dog and I will often smell myself, which I, do oh, every I enjoy it. But yeah, I also I think it's like a comfort thing because I've done it since yeah. I was a child. Oh, yeah. that's me. I exist, yeah. you yeah. know, like, it's and it's also very grounding. 
totally a good way to check in with your body your health like you can tell when you're health- like when a woman has eaten certain foods um drank alcohol taken drugs the yoni scent and flavor will change and um any ones in particular like <laughs> is it pungent things like garlic would you think um yeah or like more more if it's if it's like bad food then there's going to be more acidity in the body and the yoni is going to taste and smell different. It doesn't mean it's going to taste and smell bad. You'll just notice like different tastes, different scents. Um, Thank you. That makes yeah. perfect sense. So more, more likely for like overgrowth of candida. <clears throat> and the thing is also with the, the fish scent only comes with bacterial vaginosis. And oh, thank you. That that that's a the, a clear indicator that there's that All kind of pH well. balance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which is a really tricky thing because a, a lot of the time bacterial vaginosis is confused with thrush. Mm-hmm. However, they have a different thrush is like more like white cottage cheese, whereas um, BV is more like a grey color and a strong scent. Okay. Really strong Good to scent. know. Yeah. Good to know. Um, and look, with thrush, I remember my astrology teacher saying it's an invasive organism, so it's a Virgoan issue. Not that it's only Virgo women that get thrush. I think we, we know that. It's not. Yeah. But that when we haven't learnt to speak up and set boundaries, i.e. our mm-hmm. Lilith isn't empowered, mm-hmm. our yoni does it for us. Yeah, that's happened to me before. Right? Multiple and it can times. Happen in the early stages of a relationship too, yeah. where a woman is afraid of losing herself, of not yeah. being able to, you know, maintain her identity by saying, oh, I don't like that or I don't yeah. want to do that. So um, I also would like just to say a bit of a shout out. I'm um, about to start uh, taking women through the initiations to meet the seven different feminine archetypes that govern the main energy centres, the chakras in the body, with this coming new moon and I've just um, extended, I'm taking late enrolments for anyone that wants to join. The first archetype we empower that we journey with for a month is Lilith, that wild woman archetype. So um, if, yeah, women listening to this would like to join me for that, um, Mm -hmm. they can go to themoonwoman.com forward slash inner underscore goddess underscore course. So, um, yeah, but that's only for the next sort of 48 hours that they can join. Anywho. Amazing. Hey? Amazing. Yeah, thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, look, I've literally watched women transform from Eves into multifaceted goddesses since I started initiating women through that journey 24 years ago. And the more women that really empower not just Lilith but all of those aspects – you know, that's the key to becoming multi-orgasmic. You can't mm-hmm. just focus on the anatomy and, yep. um, you, you know, we've got to work the from the inside out. Like yeah. exactly, a flower unfolds from the inside out. But I, I did want to that. make, getting back to smell, Yeah, I have literally dabbed my Amrita, so my mm-hmm. sexual, my yoni juice, mm-hmm. on, you know, behind my ears where a woman would mm-hmm. apply perfume because mm-hmm. that is way more powerful to attract someone who is a good match for you since smell mm-hmm. is the most, 
you know, primal, the first thing that either attracts or repels us to, you yeah. know, rather than covering that up with yeah. a, a perfume which can um, throw off that instinctual, you know, attraction. who's right for us. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and the hormonal contraception as well can be really, really tricky with that because if that when there's there, there's been like, research into women who have felt attraction towards their partner they get married they go off birth control and then they feel differently towards their partner mm. yeah yeah so wow hormonal That's birth huge. control is a it's a it's a real issue in love many respects yeah yeah many yeah. respects and then yeah. coming back to that too how you're saying like through your course like becoming empowered in being able to express yourself fully, I've had an experience where if I really let myself surrender and go, like I do not look even a little bit sexy, like I'm mm-hmm. roaring, I'm my body shaking, my eyes are rolling to my third eye and mm-hmm. it really takes, you know, a lot of self-worth and understanding and love to be able to like allow yourself to go there in pleasure and not feel like you have to look pleasing to to your partner, whether they're a male or a female. Absolutely. And also, you know, the guttural sounds that, yeah. you know, like when you really surrender to the act, it's, it's, um, that's what's most exciting. It's that level of trust. Yeah. But why don't we go into that in another app where we can totally. focus on orgasm yes. um, and that's move fun. on to taste mm-hmm. because, um, I remember a boyfriend when I was in my 20s telling me I tasted like barbecue chips and I took that Yum. as a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, well, don't guys like barbecue chips? I think that's a good thing. Yes. But um, I would encourage all of our listeners, if they haven't already, just to dab the juices between their legs and taste it for themselves because it's very yeah. hard to relax and receive if you think oh I don't taste good totally don't you feel is that something mm-hmm. you would yeah yes and I and if you if anyone is used to using like soaps and douches and perfumes like to to go through there's there, there'll be a phase in between to be able to actually taste what you taste like without that interruption if you go like a couple of weeks natural there'll be like a, a coming back to balance process but mm-hmm. You really don't need to use anything on the yoni to make it taste and smell nice. It's just a matter of self cleaning. Self exactly yeah. the the like the the eyes and the yoni are both self cleaning. Just some water like underneath the hood of the clitoris where cells can build up and sweat. But other than that, just just using water and then you'll be able to get like a week or so, week or two of that. Get into tasting and smelling every day and see the changes and see it come back to balance yeah lovely but the thing is with bv no matter what happens you like you're not going to be able to get rid of it unless you do a proper cleanse you need treatment Um, you need treatment exactly so i experienced when i was 16 my first boyfriend wouldn't gift me cunnilingus Mm -hmm. um and that set up an unconscious expectation that men didn't want that. And so that's been a bit of a theme with my sexual partners. And I was watching on SBS um, 
the other night a wonderful TV show, which, oh, thoroughly enjoying it, called Shrill. Mm-hmm. And her partner asks to eat her. They're out, you know, camping. And mm-hmm. she's embarrassed. She said, oh, I haven't showered in two days. And he was like, more Great. better. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, apparently Napoleon said to Josephine, don't bathe until I get home because yeah. I really want to enjoy the fullness of yeah. your aroma and yeah. your flavor. Yes. And we're kind of the opposite. We we have, again, it's this thing of, oh, I don't want a strong smell or a strong yeah. taste. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. diminishing it, you yes. know? Yes, totally. Whenever, So when I have women that come in, it's so interesting. Every time I give a yoni massage, I smell uh, the the nectar of women and it all smells the same on a whole. However, mm-hmm. each individual has like a different taste and flavor and some women are are prone to be more salty and earthy while others more sweet while others more tart which I find really Mm. fascinating and and they can also have like have some women have like a lot of nectar while others have not much and be more like more of a drier um constitutions and while other women's like have much more um liquid which is just so fascinating that each individual yoni can be so different to the next but they're all perfect when they're in health as they are beautiful and um uh i was just wanting to make the analogy that flowers are genitals on stalks Mm -hmm. and we think nothing of sticking our face (laughs) and inhaling deeply with the pleasure of the aroma so you know to um start seeing our our yoni as a flower mm-hmm. you know and uh appreciating it on that level it's so um, yeah and what about um i just i'm reminded of years ago i read the novel lady chatterley's lover by dh lawrence and i remember the gardener a scene in that where he um ornaments her yoni she's lying down with flowers and I just thought wow that would be a beautiful act of beauty a woman could give to herself Mm. or that she could ask a partner to gift to her because I find ritual so potent in its healing mm, like I know totally. I've done libations on lovers on their vajras on their uh, phalluses with milk and honey and rose petals and you know mm. and so similarly you know in the tantric tradition you know they will pour uh, you know milk onto the yoni and and bless it you know so mm. to invite and tantra in its most pure form is about owning the shadow and, you know, creating love rituals. It's so beautiful. Um, yeah. So I just invite people to use their own uh, creativity to create rituals that celebrate the yoni as beautiful, as powerful. Amazing. So let's get to the big elephant in the room, which is labiaplasty. Yes. It is the fastest growing I don't call it cosmetic surgery. I call it what it is, mutilation. Yeah. Um, now, my understanding is the reason it's become so prevalent is that 
porno mags on newsstands must only display genitals in a discreet way. So anything protruding mm-hmm. is photoshopped out mm-hmm. and in pornography uh, film the same applies where a woman cannot have any protrusion but a man, of course, can have a huge protrusion. Mm-hmm. So this creates, you know, supply and demand where with so many using porn now, there is an expectation that something is wrong if you have protruding lips. And so um, there is, you know, more and more women feeling they need to go and mutilate themselves. Yeah. What's your thoughts on this? Yeah. I mean, you can hear mine is pretty yeah. strong. Yeah, definitely. So the the law doesn't actually talk about in a labia. It just talks about, like, as you said, the, the protruding genitalia, but they've chosen in a labia and it's mainly in soft porn. You can still find in like porn, pornography films, um, you can find rarely, um, though it's still, it's legal to have in a labia that protrude. However, in soft porn, it's illegal and soft porn is where, most children from 12 years old 12 years old upwards are getting their sexual education and so from a very young age their the their first exposure to the inner labia is that there's none that there's a line and a hole where the penis goes and so I, I remember having a lover who said that the first time he, he made love with a woman he was like what is that like he didn't know what inner labia were mm-hmm. um yeah, and the highest number of users of porn are 12-year-old boys. Yeah. So um, without initiating our young yes. um, adults yeah. into sacred sexuality, they're getting mentored and initiated by a very dark representation that is violent exactly. and demeaning exactly. to women in particular, but to the feminine and men and women. So um, I looked it up online and it costs nine thousand dollars in Australia, and apparently there used to be a Medicare rebate that women could just go and access, which has now been outlawed, unless it's deemed that there are functional reasons that it's needed. Right. Um, but these butchers, i.e., cosmetic surgeons, mm-hmm. are calling it vaginal rejuvenation wow (laughs) like you're gonna feel zesty and vital and all brand new and shiny when I can imagine you'd feel fucking sore and bruised and anything but rejuvenated you'd feel like you'd been punched and whippersnippered between the legs you know exactly sorry to be so graphic folks yeah that's Um, the reality and the thing is the women that I've spoken to that have had surgery, post-surgery, when they've come into themselves and started loving their body, they do wish they gave themselves more time to fall in love with their anatomy, to understand. And, and a lot of the time they hold shame surrounding the scars. They hold shame surrounding making mm. that decision. Um, there's, wow. It's not always what they think it's going to be. You know, it's, if it's coming from a disempowered place, that's not going to fix what yeah. the problem is. The problem is a lack of self-love. And so that doesn't go away. Yeah, yeah. Potentially, you know, potentially for some it does help them a lot in their sexuality That's the, and they're going to feel more confident but they haven't addressed what was really going on and seen it from – it's not in conformed – it's not informed consent when they're 
when they're when they're cutting off the inner labia, not knowing that the inner labia is normal. Absolutely, and it's that thing you don't know what you don't yeah. know. So you don't know that you're conforming yeah. to a distorted view of the exactly. feminine. And most women in a patriarchal culture, in their maidenhood, so in their teens and in their twenties, yeah. because of that cultural distortion feel very disempowered about their bodies, about the feminine in general. Um, And so I, for one, uh, having a daughter who is 16, I find it terrifying how, because we, in the West, there's, you know, science is lauded over um, mysticism. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, it's it's sanctioned and it's considered culturally acceptable yeah. more and more for these procedures yeah. to be done on, you know, young, young women. women as young as 14. Yeah. And I remember reading a, just some, you know, women's magazine in a waiting room and there was a UK comedian, I can't remember her name, and she said she held a lot of shame about you know, her lips after a partner said to her, you've got too much lip. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'll give you some photos. I'll tell you how I feel, you know, um, because as above, so below, you know, the yoni and the mouth have the same sort of tissue um, and there is a direct link. I mean, in birth when the uh, woman is encouraged to roar, to let out her primal guttural sounds, the cervix opens. So too, as you know, with orgasm, if we're trying not to make a sound, Mm -hmm. we are not allowing the waves of pleasure to really fill our vessel and be taken over and out to sea by that. So if we're not able to speak up and make a voice, make a noise, um, and say no and have a good, strong no and celebrate our no, yep. uh, chances are we're not going to allow much lip down below yep. either. Um, but uh, I see we're pretty much at the end game of patriarchy now where when I went to see the sequel to Blade Runner and loving the first film, I was really excited. I found it so disturbing that the main male protagonist, his partner is a cyborg woman who he just switches on like you'd switch on a television. Right? And that's the trajectory of, you know, already so many porn-addicted men because they're afraid of rejection because they're disempowered with a real woman that, you know, they're avoiding intimacy with real women and, you know, are more and more disempowered by an addiction to virtual sex to the point where now um, some brothels are reporting that their silicon robotic sex dolls are outperforming the real women. Um, And so the demand for sex dolls has just gone through the roof. Um, And, you know, to me, this is women can help to unravel and heal that by not performing like dolls, not faking orgasms, not... um, Staying quiet. uh, What would you say? Staying quiet. Being quiet. 
yeah. not expressing what they want. By not, yes, by not banishing Lilith, by completely giving themselves a triple X Brazilian, which also feeds into this um, pedophilic culture that we're in where, again, when the masculine is disempowered, it seeks out younger and younger women to feel virile and powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if someone is fantasising about whether it's young girls and the term teen is the most popular term that's entered into porn sites, you know, when we reclaim the power of our womanhood and we heal our relationship with our own power and we educate our lovers um, to honour that, we help to reverse the demand for child sex and for underage porn. Yeah. You can yeah. jump in any time you want. I, was just I love it. <laughs> yeah, the thing, the thing that came through for me was the the fact that in, it's it's just so interesting cross culturally how we're not how we're so used to not being accepted as we are. Like in Africa, there there's a tradition in some in some part of Africa. I can't remember which country or countries where the women from a very young age, like young girls, pull on their inner labia. They do a process called labia elongation because larger inner labia is perceived as beautiful in the in their culture interesting so it's like interesting and i see the archetype of lilith as very strong in africa you know the big booty uh base chakra energy do go on yeah which you know it's it's just i find it interesting that we can't just be as we are you know there's a there's yeah. this need to change and our body to fit into society's perception of beauty. And that's it there, isn't it? So mutilation uh, is an affirmation that we are not acceptable, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I find it fascinating to learn that there are 8,000 nerve endings in the head of the clitoris, which is three times more than a penis. So... Perhaps if women knew that, they would own their erotic power um, more. Um, and we have as much erectile tissue as yeah, men. We have internal in... boners. <laughs> we just exactly. take longer for that to happen. So it's, but it's so much more pleasurable. Like the women who aren't enjoy, enjoying pleasure through penetration, if they understood that we have erectile tissue inside and it's not until we're fully engorged, like our yoni is like a donut on the outside. That it feels so exactly. like all of the blood is filled, the erectile tissue is filled with blood, and it's so much more pleasurable. There's so much more possibility for pleasure. Yeah, it's bulbous. Yeah. It's like when you see those rhesus monkey at the zoo, and they're all huge yeah. and inflamed. Like when we're fully yeah. engorged, and it takes 45 minutes, yeah, I for believe, some women, yeah. for that yeah. to happen. So you know, we might be yeah. horny and wet, and you might think, okay, no. we're ready, but if you uh, really want to have the most huge orgasms, both yeah. parties, to take that time for play, for, um, you know, full yeah. arousal means that those vestibular bulbs, you know, and the perineal sponge 
just swells to the point where we're so engorged that we are super and sip tight. In. We sip in the other when we're that, you know, when we're that engorged. Uh, Yoni actually we yeah. suck them in. Yeah, how fabulous! Because the other type of mutilation that isn't as um, acknowledged is after women give birth when they tear or when they have an episiotomy and they're cut. It used to be very prevalent that they'd say, oh, just so uh, up a yeah. bit tighter than she was before, right? Now, if a woman is fully engorged and fully aroused, it doesn't matter what the length or the shape or whatever is of her particular yep. yoni, he's in or she is in for the ride of yep. their life. <laughs> you know, it's like the inner tube of a of a tyre, you know, you want to get it fully inflated or the ride's going to be pretty <laughs> pathetic. So... <laughs> And something else I learned, which I thought fascinating, you can't get cystitis, UTI, Mm -hmm. you know, um, if you're fully aroused and engorged because that little donut around the urethra, when it's fully engorged, it means that no bacteria can go up inside the the tiny opening of the urethra. So it's often younger women that are more prone to UTIs, urinary tract infections, because they're allowing partners to enter their temple without really honouring, um, yep. you know. Becoming fully engorged. There's a... Yeah. 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 So, look, I think it's almost time to wrap up. I would like to finish on the names that we refer to our yoni because this is just one small step, you know, in terms of getting man on the moon, getting women to reconnect with their feminine in a loving, kind way. Um, I remember seeing the comedian Ruby Wax years ago and she, you know, was sharing her own loathing towards her genitalia by saying, what is that? It looks like chopped liver and a bad wig. And I roared with laughter, which obviously was, you know, confronting me with my own shame about it. And I also, years ago, I did a, um, I was trying to launch my goddess hen's night business and I offered to do a free dance of the, you know, seven veils for the Australian um, Women in Film and Television Association's Christmas party, all my fucking veils fell off at once and I was butt naked except for the gold paint and I had to keep going. (laughs) And, you know, there were gasps of horror around the entire um, (laughs) room and I was back announced by an angry lesbian who said, I think we've seen enough gash for one night which, you know, again, telegraphing her own hatred of her genitalia. But I, that term gash, for me, it was seeing it as a wound, Mm. which was so Mm -hmm. symbolic. Um, And so I'd just like to invite women to refer to their yoni. I mean, the word yoni, I I brought my daughter up using that term because it's a sacred term. Um, I find the, the, the jit the vulva that a harsher sound i mean i suppose it's how it's said i I like vagina (laughs) much more but um not to use our genitals as insults in a fit of road rage you know (laughs) um i mean you know the word cunt 
it was actually pronounced Kunt, as in Kundalini and the Kundagland, uh, which gives it a whole mm-hmm. different flavour. Uh, and it is a word of great power, but let's not abuse the word by taking it out of context, like not saying the Lord's name in yeah. vain. <laughs> what are your recommendations for reframing how we yeah, refer to so the Yeah, so I definitely, like the, the Kunt, Kunta was... Um, from my understanding, also an oriental goddess, which is where Kundalini came from, which I find fascinating that, you know, five 5,000 years of patriarchy, we see Kunt as a, a, a term that's still powerful, but said in such a different way without reverence and respect. Um, the word vagina, yeah, like you said before, sheath for a sword. Uh, was used was a Latin term used like during Roman you know rule which was very disrespectful towards women a lot of raping and pillaging and so the word vagina for me has that kind of feels like a swear word it's really important to use it when referring to the parts anatomically especially with children so they know their body and they can name their body parts naming the vulva naming the vagina if anything should happen they need to know what has been done to them so they can report it um but when using yeah the word the word yoni is encompassing the vulva the womb the vagina so it's 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 a beautiful it's like it's there's there's a word that we can use that refers to all of that that part of our body um yeah the term inner and outer labia versus majora and menorah um and just find find like yoni might feel too like spiritual or something for some listeners so finding a word that feels honoring for you that doesn't that isn't taking away from what it is the power that it is you know mm. and even coming up with yeah. lovely euphemisms like come into my oh, enchanted so garden or, yeah you, you know like yeah yeah i think just to yep. give it some thought, you know. I mean, creativity is an expression of love and I'm yep. all for erotica. You know, I'm not a prude. It's like, but erotica comes from a place of reverence, whereas for me, pornography comes from a place yeah. of it's, violence. It's objectifying you know? rather than subjectifying. It's like the, the people are sexual objects rather than sexual subjects. And yep. not a celebration yep. of, yeah, yeah, beautiful. Well, um, I Yay. think it might be time to wrap we, up. It's fun, yeah. It's been lovely exploring so ladies together, vulvas, yep. yonis, so all the above. And, um, yeah, if you're enjoying the show, we would love to hear your or read your reviews. So you can go on to iTunes and write a review to encourage more people to find us. That yeah. would be just lovely. So blessings on your dark moon. We always put these out as we're descending into the darkest lunar phase and talking about the taboo subjects. And uh, we wish you blessings on this dark moon. And if you love this episode, feel free to share it. It's been a pleasure talking you too, with you, Tanishka. Kristen, as always, love. All right. Bye. Have a great day, everyone. Ciao. Thanks for joining us. If you'd love to uh, catch future episodes, head on over to Spotify and uh, click follow. And if you'd like to find out more about my work, you can head over to the Moon Woman. That's M-O-O-N woman.com. 
And if you want to find out a bit more about me and the work that I do, you can go to yonilicious.com.au or you can find me on Instagram where I'm more active at yonilicious. Y-O-N-I-L-I-C-I-O-U-S. Beautiful. Have a great day. Bye.